You're listening to Key Conversations for Leaders. This is episode number 56. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Key Conversations for Leaders. I'm your host, John Ryan, and today we have a very special guest, Julie Barkas. Over the past 20 years, Julie has helped leaders across the globe transform their workplace culture from negative and destructive to happy and productive. Julie has identified over 30 staff demotivators that drain team members of their motivation and has developed the DRIVE method to help leaders attract the right staff to support their vision. Her total team transformational system has, prevent, has propelled leaders out of feeling stuck and lost to experiencing tremendous joy in attracting, interviewing, hiring, motivating, and most importantly, retaining the team of their dreams. And we have her here today on our show. Welcome to the show, Julie. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. Oh, thank you. You know, I want to start by asking, you know, what was it that drew you to talking to companies and leaders around hiring and really developing that dream team? Well, you know, it started with my work experience, and I realized that when I was getting promoted, there wasn't a lot of support for people moving into leadership positions. It was, you're really good at what you do. How would you like to do more of what you do now through leading a team? And I would jump on board and say, yes, that sounds fantastic. And then you'd get a pat on the back and good luck. You know, there you go. And that, and that was it. You had a different place where you could eat lunch or hang your coat. But there wasn't a lot of step-by-step training in terms of what to do and how to manage and motivate and retain great staff. So right from that moment, that was early in my 20s, I got really fascinated by leaders who excelled at having motivated teams. And I was also really studying leaders who were demotivating their staff, meaning they wouldn't get the results that they wanted with their team. So I really made it an avid study. And especially as I moved up into leadership, I was like, oh, okay, that's what not to do. And sometimes I was just clueless. <laughs> it was like, nobody's got a, they got a book here. So I just started putting the pieces together, but I became fascinated with it. And after doing a stint in uh, retail and then moving into corporate for several years, I decided to get out there and speak. And I was listening to motivational speakers who were changing my life, like Les Brown and Ogmandino and Zig Ziglar and uh, all the greats. And I was like, wow, if I could just get out there and speak and change one person's life with my words, that would be the ultimate thing that I would love to do. So started speaking, talking about workplace gossip, other issues, and it just became like, you know, just expanding from there. Well, now that we've got this great team, how do we attract more? So really the topic just started expanding and expanding. Well, I think one place for us to start, of course, is that beginning of the process, which I imagine is hiring. You know, is it really hard to find the right person for the right job? Or is there just a skill set in, in going through that process that we need to learn? I believe it's a skill set. But I also believe that there's a belief system involved. Right now, many industries are struggling. And they're struggling to find staff. And some of them are looking and looking incredibly hard and they're not finding the staff that they want. So what I really teach are attraction principles for attracting the people you want as opposed to trying to find them because it's a different process to me. And I always reflect on who's at Henry Ford who said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And that's why when I teach attraction principles, the first thing that we really have to shift is our mindset to start believing that a different result is possible. Because let's face it, if you're out there and you're trying to attract an amazing team, 
you're not going to be able to do it if your mindset or if your belief system is, it's just not possible. Nobody wants to work right now. They'd rather stay home. They can make more money collecting unemployment. Whatever the belief system is, you're gonna prove yourself right. So with the work that I do, first part and foremost, first and foremost, we really have to come to agreement to say, well, can you accept that something different than what everybody else is saying about hiring staff is possible? Because it might be really hard for them, but it doesn't mean it has to be hard for you. Wonderful. So that's really one of the first things that we need to look at when we're hiring a team and going out and doing recruiting is the mindset piece. Are there any other mistakes that you know people make when they're looking to build that dream team? So when they're looking to hire? Yes. Yeah. You, you know, so I think listening to everybody else and the status quo of what's going on out there is really, it's a big mistake, but it's really hard when you're seeing things with your eyes to pull yourself back to a place where you could actually start seeing a, a different result. But it's really important that you, that you do. The other mistake <laughs> that's a big one is help wanted ads. And a lot of times I just talked to a leader yesterday, I was advising her on how to attract some staff. And she's like, I asked her, well, how's your ad? And she's, oh, it's great. It's colorful and it's bright. And we offer competitive benefits and wages and, you know, all these things. And I'm like, well, wait, wait a second. How old is that ad? She's like, oh, well, you know, this is the ad that we've been using for probably five, six years. So one mistake, another mistake that we make is really pulling out that old time tested help wanted ad, putting it back out there and hoping we get a different result. And it's really the energy behind the intent that's gonna get you results with your hiring efforts. And that's really important. It's the energy behind the intent. So I even have clients, they have fantastic help wanted ads, but they still shift it because it's not the right energy. So they read the ad and they ask themselves, well, you know, if I were my dreamy team member, would I be attracted to that ad? And if the answer comes back, no, then we have to rewrite it and put some different energy into it. And it's not about selling them on, on benefits, on, on you know, benefits and wages and all that. Today, it's really important that that ad sells them on your vision, that that help wanted ad helps them to feel connected. And that's really the key word right there is we need right from the very start for people to start feeling connected with us. And that's what's going to cause them to want to work for us, to want to buy into what we're doing. I love that. So not only is the mindset at the beginning of the hiring process, make sure that you're not doing the same old thing, that put out the same ad you've been doing for years, which is getting stale and, uh, and not really true to where you are now and speaking their language, but more importantly than the benefits and the advantages of why work with us, is helping them feel connected and connected to something bigger, which is the vision of the organization, which is why you want them to join you anyways. Am I, are we on the right path here? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, because you know, and if you're thinking, well, you know, nobody wants to work right now. If you have people who you're thinking should be part of your team and that person you're visualizing, they're at home eating Doritos watching TV, they're not your people. At least if you are stepping up to your visionary role, they're, they're not your people. So you really need to identify clearly first, well, who are my people? What characteristics and qualities do they possess? And then what kind of ad would really pull them in, either speak to their pain or speak to something that they really want to be a part of? So when I help clients write ads, we often hear your ad spoke to me. 
I don't know what it was, but something about it, I knew I just had to respond to you. So, and that's the feeling that we want to create with ads is like, it's that first call to action that will really start pulling the right people in. And I've seen people who use Indeed or ZipRecruiter and they're not getting any results. They go back, energetically shift their ad, they rewrite it, we go through our process, they put it in those exact same places and in one weekend, they get 50 candidates or they get three candidates or they get however many, but enough to choose from and they're a higher quality candidates. And that's really important because you can see the shifts. So it, if I can summarize where we're at right now, so you're telling me that the same tool as a leader that we're going to use to motivate our team that we have now is the same exact tool that we can use to attract the people that we want to be part of our team. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I know, I know it's a simple yes or no question, but like, it just <laughs> seems like it just really it simplifies the process. And then when you when you have that vision, why wouldn't you start them onboarding them into the vision before they even begin? Because then people are going to self-select out if they're not connected to that vision. Love the word self-select out. Love it. Yes, I often use that one and I often help create that culture. Yes, yes, you're right. You're right. And it's important for people to self-select out. But if we're not raising the bar as a leader, we're settling for mediocrity and we're letting people know, hey, it's okay if you don't pull your weight. It's okay if you don't want to do more than your fair share of the work. And we're really training our people for how to be in the workplace. But if we're setting the bar and saying this bar is constantly rising because our vision is growing and we need people who are expanding and growing with the vision, wow, then it's, it's, it's a much more dynamic formula to work with for having a motivated team. I love it. Super exciting. So we let's say we I get the vision. I'm talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Me too. So let's say we're excited. We got the vision. We got the mindset. We're sharing the vision. People are attracted to that. We onboard them. What? What? Actually, even before that, before we onboard them, sorry, we're in the meeting. We're having the interview. What are some of the things we have to keep in mind? Is it really just simply sharing the vision and values of the company and determine if we're a fit, or are there other specific things we should do to? kind of make sure that we are fit together. So the way that uh, you know I help organizations develop their, their processes is that we look at the help wanted ad, and then we make sure there's a multi-layered approach to hiring. So it's not just like, oh, we had um, a conversation, they're a great fit, woohoo, let's get them on board. We really want to, to hire slow, right? We really want it just like a really good parquet or a really good cake. I'm not sure what you're a fan of. <laughs> I try to do no sugar these days. <laughs> but, you know, you like the layers in these things, right? Shrek would say like an onion. But, you know, you, you need the same thing in your hiring process to really slow it down. And, and part of that is sharing the vision. It's sharing your story. But then it's also asking very personalized interview questions. We hire from a place of who we're being in this world. And typically I find that people are caught up in repeating patterns. Meaning if I'm a leader, I tend to find the same kind of staff that I'm hiring. Um, one leader I started consulting with said, oh, well, we always find needy people. They're always so needy. And I'm like, well, what are you doing in your process that you're always getting these needy people? Or somebody else might get gossipers or somebody else might people get people who don't show up or people who don't do more than their fair share, uh, whatever it might be. But you might recognize some patterns in yourself and the way that you're hiring. And that's why we really need to break out of the norm and, you know, skip the ditch the books on all the best interview questions to ask and really look 
at a personalized approach to those questions so that you're asking questions to really help you determine, is this a dream team member for me or not? So that same thing about throw out the old interview questions that you have is the same thing as throw out the old ad you have, because if you do what you've always... <laughs> throw out everything and really blank slate it and, and start from the end in mind, which is the vision. And then what do I want to know about this person? What do I want them to know about us to go through that slow layered process to over time determine, you know, where to go forward. Is that, is that on par with what you're saying? Absolutely. Sounds okay. good, doesn't it? I, I think it sounds like <laughs> less stressful, I imagine. It's and a, a lot less guesswork too. Absolutely. You know, there's nothing like being a leader, right? And then getting blindfolded with a dartboard in front of you spun around and like, all right, hit the target. And you're like, huh? But we don't take enough time to really identify who are the people that we want to work for us. We feel that we get stuck with certain kind of people who are out there and available to work. So we'll take them where we really have to switch our mindset to think of the positions that we have open as elite. We don't have, and some organizations I work with do, 30, 40, 50 positions open, but typically most managers are looking for two people or for five people and they can't find them. So if we have to switch, if we switch our mindset to thinking, you know what, I'm elite and the person who gets to work for me is really lucky and not, I hope they like us, but I hope I like them. And I hope they can serve this vision in a big, powerful way. And I'm going to make sure that I ask interview questions to know that they're going to show up and serve the vision and that they want to be a part of it. And I'm going to ask interview questions to also know, is this person a dream team member as I've defined it? So it seems like the onboarding process really begins even with the help wanted ad that you're actually onboarding them all the way from the beginning and even the pre-work that you did ahead of time to design what that that ad is. Do you have any uh, best practices, suggestions for helping people to join the queen, the team quickly and to integrate themselves into fulfilling that vision? Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I encourage our leaders to think about is, is how do you train your people? And, you know, Turnover is really expensive. And part of that is because you're training and retraining and you're getting exhausted, repeating the same old thing over and over and over again. So in today's day, I think it's so easy to grab, grab your cell phone and anytime you delegate a task, record it on video and then create a little video library that your new staff members will have access to on how to do all these little things. So that when you're in a crisis situation or when you're not there or can't be there to, to really help that person along, they can be working through these videos, really learning how to do these different tasks. And it doesn't have to be anything fancy. It doesn't even have to be, it, it's not professionally produced by any means. Grab your cell phone, hop on Zoom, even with a free account, and just make some videos whenever you delegate a task. So I think if managers do that, you're going to save a ton of time in the process of onboarding new people. That seems really practical. And I love how you're lowering the bar. It doesn't have to be well-produced. You don't have to edit it. No intros, outros. Just name it based on what it is, I imagine, and put it somewhere where it's accessible. And it sounds like that would be helpful not only for people who are working on-site, but also off-site as we continue in this ongoing evolution of the potential hybrid workforce that we have. Are there any specific things that we should be thinking about uh, for leaders who are working with kind of a hybrid workforce? Still, even if your workforce is hybrid, live events, live staff meetings, 
there's nothing like it. Nothing replaces it. So I really encourage you, even if we're hybrid and it's so easy to hop on Zoom and say, okay, we're going to do a staff meeting or many of my leaders are renaming them like inspire meetings, whatever it might be. But think to have every other one of those live so that you can connect in person because there's nothing like bringing everybody together in person to unite as a team. So I think that's really important to keep in mind because it's really easy to say, all right, I'm going to keep my pajama bottoms on for the next three months and nobody has to see me mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, and, and not do anything live and in person with everybody. And it's so important because it helps people connect in a way that's not possible on Zoom or, right. on, or on the internet. Sure, sure. If, if you could banish one negative work behavior that you've observed in your career, what would that be? Mm. I would say that it would be gossip and gossip can be defined in many ways, but gossip really brings organizations down quicker than anything. And gossip can also be defined as indirect communication. So when I was in corporate, there was a lot of secrecy and a lot of the secrecy led to mistrust and mistrust leads to lower productivity that leads to lower profits. So you could follow the chain. But I would really focus on how can we communicate in the most constructive fashion possible where everybody here is taking responsibility for their own actions instead of playing victim and, oh, did you see what so-and-so was doing? And, oh, my goodness, what was going on in that meeting today? Mm -hmm. You know, it's almost a matter of how can you be most effective to serve our vision and step up in a big way? And if everybody can do that and and find their own internal happiness with the work that they're doing, taking full responsibility for that, I think a a workforce can be unstoppable, a team. So reducing gossip. And if if you have someone who comes to you with gossip, you know, would you recommend turning towards them and get them more focused in a productive thing? Or how, how would you respond to that kind of situation? Yeah, so we try, we do, do a training on workplace gossip and there's like six different responses. But one thing we have to understand is that gossip is typically a habit. And if you have a gossiper or two in your workplace, uh, people have a need to fit in in the workplace. So if the culture is gossipy or negative or drama ridden, people are going to fit in to that culture because that's the overriding need as opposed to saying, oh no, don't want to be a part of it. But when we do training and we get the entire team on board with how to break that gossip chain, it is about knowing how to do things like changing the subject or pointing out the positives in the situation. Or sometimes it is about walking away saying, you know what, Um, I'd I'd really rather not go down this path of, of talking negatively about somebody and I'd really rather focus on how to bring the vision to life. But the leader has really got to do due diligence with keeping the vision alive, growing and expanding every single day. Otherwise, your employees agenda become the agenda for the day or the week or the year. So instead of the agenda being vision driven, it just becomes stress driven or what do we need to do to make it through the day? So that's why it's really important to have the vision be this powerful force to be reckoned with. And there's some mistakes people make with that vision that we could, I'm happy to talk about, but it's really about, do we feel it? Is it alive with us? Well, I mean, vision 
culture. These are definitely some of the major themes that, that you're bringing up here today and, and maintaining that because culture is what we do, not just what we say it, it actually is. Yeah. And it seems, and, and I'm sure you're aware of the, you know, perceived impending resignation wave that like is undergoing right now or about to hit. I'm not, you know, we're not sure exactly what's going to happen with that. It seems like some of these things you're talking about, culture, accountability, self-ownership that really can help. Are there any other things that, that you, maybe your clients are struggling with right now that you suggest to them to help fight off that potential wave? Well, if I'm understanding your, your question correctly, you know, one of the things that I think our clients are dealing with, some of them are, are feeling really disconnected from their jobs. They're feeling disconnected. Uh, and even if they're a solo entrepreneur, they're feeling disconnected from the business that they created. So what we want to do is, is just really reconnect and reconnect that passion so that our people can fall madly in love again with the work that they're doing, which is the way to be, right? Because we're spending so much time in the workplace. So I would be thinking if I were a manager, how connected am I to what I'm doing? Because your people, it's going to be hard for them to be more connected to what they're doing if you're not connected to what you're doing, right? Because it's going to start at the top. It's a powerful model. You're a powerful model. You don't realize it, but it's like the spotlight is on you, right? You're on the red carpet when you're on your Zoom meetings or when you're coming into the workplace. And it's like all eyes are on you. So you're setting the protocol in a very powerful way for how passionate, how joyous, how excited your people are to be at work. And sometimes you have to be that crazy visionary to get good responses from your staff. So connection, conversations, vision, culture, all these concepts that beginning to end that really how you begin is how you have to end, right? So begin with the end in mind as Stephen Covey would say, I'm sure you're familiar with that as well. Yes. You know, conversations are so important and he, here on key conversations. We think conversations are one of the main tools we have as leaders. Yeah. Now, Julie, if you mind me asking you, um, can you think of a, a conversation that maybe has had a significant impact that you'd be able to share uh, either personally or professionally? Oh my goodness, there's probably so many. <laughs> and my life has thrown me many curveballs where I'm reinventing my vision, re-looking re at, well, what is it that I want to bring to life? I'll, I'll go to a workplace conversation and I remember the best boss that I ever worked for, if I could share with you, Michelle. And Michelle took me under her wing and I just remembered that I was doing my job and you know, I was writing emails and doing this and that. I was in my little cubicle. And I remember one day she came up behind me and she says, Julie, you know, I've been looking at some of the emails that you've been writing and I realized something. And I realized that, that you can't write emails very well. And at first I was like, ah, you know, and this was to me, it was like, wow, that's pretty direct. And that kind of that burns a little bit. But then I thought about it and the conversation continued. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. Uh, what, what can I do? And she's like, you know what, well, how about this? How about we get you some training, some writing training, and we'll just really help you accelerate with this skill. We'll help you to really move beyond where you get stuck with this. You know, and, and I kind of, I probably felt I was struggling a little bit because I didn't have the hang of the corporate email thing or whatever, but now you know, I have a best-selling book and all these articles that are out there. And I feel really blessed that Michelle was courageous enough to have that conversation with me. Um, and sometimes it's in those moments of the direct communication, that direct conversation that enable and empower the most growth from your people. And people will always ask me, Julie, well, how do I say this? And sometimes it's not so much the how, but it's that you do say it 
and that you swallow your pride and your ego a little bit just to say, okay, my role here is to grow this person. And they're either going to grow under my leadership or they're going to grow somewhere else, but they're going to grow. And if you make growing your people the priority, you will have the right conversations with them so that they can grow. And growth is the number one motivator, not money. It's growth. Wow. What a great outcome from an important conversation in your life. And, you know, feedback, not always comfortable, but certainly well when it's received well, it can really do wonders. So congratulations on your book and all the things you've done since. Julie, what, thank you so much for being here. What is the best way for our listeners and watchers to get in touch with you, find out more about what you do, and of course, your book as well? Absolutely. Thank you so much for that opportunity. Uh, Let's see. So the best place people can get in touch with me, you can go to juliebarkus.com, J-U-L-I-E-B-A-R-T-K-U-S.com. And there is a free getting unstuck consultation. So if you want to have a conversation, leadership conversation, um, but if you want to have a conversation and really get some strategies that are tailored for you to move you past where you're feeling stuck, then that would be a great opportunity for you. And the book that I wrote is specifically for the childcare industry called Childcare Business Success. So I wrote that back several years ago. That's one of my big niches that I, I deal with is the childcare world, uh, people who own brick and mortar childcare businesses. So that's the book. It's available on Amazon. And there's a lot of great business stories in that book. A lot of conversations that we had with leaders in the industry who really triumphed over tragedy in their life to bring success in an amazing way to their business. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'll put all the links in the show notes. And again, Julie, thanks so much for being here. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you all for listening and watching. Until next time, develop yourself, empower others, and lead by example. Thanks for listening to Key Conversations for Leaders with your host, John Ryan. If you enjoyed the show, please let us know. Give us a rating or write a review. And if you'd like to connect with me and other like-minded leaders, I invite you to join our Facebook group called Develop, Empower, and Lead, where I deliver free live training every week. If you go to developempowerlead.com, it will redirect you right there. Hope to see you there soon.